Well, there's songs. There's how many songs? What kind of songs? Where do you get the songs? Well, there'd be clients. Well, how many clients? Where do you get the clients? What kind of clients? Well, there's invoices. There's bills. There's expenses. There's train rides. There's plane tickets. There's coffees. There's all these things. We're just going to wrap it all up and call it the life of a mixer. And we're going to talk about that with Matthew Weiss. Stick around. All right, and welcome back to the Adam Claremont Show. This is where we talk about how to build and grow your career in audio, talking about actionable advice you can put into work today to help you get to where you're trying to go. And today, before we begin, I've got something free to offer you. I've got a free gift. Head over to adamclaremont.com slash client list. I've got a free PDF guide that'll help you with a step-by-step order of what to do first, second, third to get the clients you're after. If you've been looking around, people working in the field and thinking, man, I love the stuff they're working on. How how come I can't get to that level? Or I'm not really sure what steps to take to just up my game. Well, here you go. I want to offer it to you. AdamClaremont.com slash client list. Head over there. And hey, also, before we begin, check it out. I got a new shirt. Got some new merch in. Listen, take that for what you will. A lot of meanings there. This time, I think it means something like, hey, listen, man, go get a T-shirt. So if you're interested, head over to the description below and check out some new merch. All right, but let's get to the show. Today, I'm really excited to introduce uh, LA-based mix engineer, Matthew Weiss. Matthew is a personal engineer for Akon and has a really long list of impressive credits that include Chris Brown, Nicki Minaj, Rick Ross. There's a lot more there. And honestly, I think it's safe to say that he is probably one of the most recognized audio educators on YouTube. So you're going to want to check out his channel at Weiss Advice on YouTube. So really excited to talk with Matt. So without further ado, Matt. Welcome. Thanks for taking the time today, man. You dig. <laughs> yeah. How you doing, Adam? I'm good, man. So good. glad to see you with uh, the very recognizable background. You know, That's a I gotta view. keep it artistic. <laughs> well, it's either the view of, of that skyline or it's the view of the inside of my kitchen. So <laughs> what you all rather see. Well, that's cool, man. Well, uh, what, what skyline is that even? I'm not really sure. Do we know? I think it's Seattle, but I'm not sure. Okay. I think it's New York and Seattle at the same time. That's something like that. <laughs> that's quite a panorama. Yeah. <laughs> From New York to Seattle. Coast to coast, baby. Yeah. Well, that's not a bad place to start because you are on the West Coast, but you started East Coast. Am I right? I started in West Philadelphia, born and raised. Spent many days on the playground. That sounds familiar. Uh, All right. Well, so, you know, current mix engineer in L.A., before we dive in too deep, because, you know, basically, I think what we really want to dive into today is, you know, talking with a fantastic mix engineer, built up a fantastic career. So congratulations on that. But let's talk about how to actually get there if someone so dreams. Right. So maybe you can give us a starter. You started somewhere on the East Coast, Philadelphia ish. You want to tell me, did you always want to be a mixer or like what was that path for you? I think on a certain level, because I've been in, interested in music since I was in middle school, high school. I think that that seed was already there, but I don't think I really acknowledged it until I started recording and mixing other people. Mm. You know, I started how most people start, though. I started by making music for myself. All right. Makes sense. 
So you got to a studio or you started freelance bedroom? What was kind of the... Man, all of the above. So, you know, coming from the early 2000s, we were just sort of sliding into that recession era and jobs looked very different. We were, we were leaving the zone of the 90s where everything was happening in studios and we were walking into the advent of the digital recording age. So the studio landscape was changing quite a bit. Yeah. I started I started really just doing it I guess as a hobbyist in high school but then when I was in college I the best paying job on campus was the sound tech and as the sound tech I was doing all the live sound but also I was doing uh, I switched over to music composition as my major and uh, was working in the electronic studio lab so I ended up doing a lot of the recordings for the jazz and uh, classical concerts. And so I ended up doing a lot of recording and mixing in college. And that was the times that I look forward to the most. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't even getting grades for it, which is probably why I did so poorly in my <laughs> classes, you know, but then after I left college, it, like it just felt like a natural transition. I did uh, a little bit of the part-time work mixed with interning. And first I was in a post-production studio. Then I was up in New York interning with a, a couple of producers and then back down in Philadelphia, finally landed an in-house gig. And the way that I did that is I just sort of forced my way in the door. Yeah. Well, elaborate on that if you would. For, forced me in the door. I'm assuming it wasn't, you know, one of these. Was, was it just like you just did, I mean, looking back, you can honestly say, it. were you just doing the right things? I mean, doing the work, showing up, good attitude. Like, what was that? What do you mean? Yeah, I started by bringing in clients. That was the number one go. thing. I wasn't, <laughs> I was, I wasn't getting paid. Bring the money, you get like, the job, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I wasn't getting paid. Like everybody that I was working with, you know, it was like it was mostly jazz musicians and stuff like that. I was, I was bringing them through to the studio, Studio E, and I, I was not actually getting paid. So they'd be paying for the studio time, but they wouldn't have to pay for an engineer because I'd be doing it for free. And so I came back a number of times, and finally the guy said, you know, I'm doing a session, uh, a drum tracking session on Sunday. Would you be able to come in? And I was like, hmm, let me think about that. Yes, of course, I'm going to be <laughs> able to come back in. That's so cool. That was, yeah, that actually ended up being for George Clinton. Oh, that's super cool. And he probably didn't realize that <laughs> yeah. at the time for, he's just like, Sunday. I realized it, <laughs> I realized it when he showed up. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I've made it. Yeah. Little did I know. Yeah. No, but that's awesome, man. But I mean, you know, you did kind of make it in a way. I mean, you, you made it for yourself jumped, by just being there and doing the right thing. So I, I jumped that first gap. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. I, and I mean, that's funny because, you know, I don't, I don't really, we don't really talk about that. But yeah, you want a job? Bring a client to a place. <laughs> if you've got if you got well, clients to bring with you, but maybe not enough to fill your own schedule, I mean, there's a studio probably somewhere nearby that would really like to bridge that gap for you. And you know, it's a, it's a mutual beneficial relationship, right? Well, that's the thing is like you know, the the boomers are always talking about how the millennials. I'm an older millennial. I have it, you know, so entitled and everything like that. Man, listen. <laughs> In the boomer era, if you wanted a job, you could go get a job. Right. In the millennial era, if you want a job, you have to make a job. There are no jobs. Yeah. In 2004 to 2010, there was no such thing as a job. It didn't exist. You had to have a PhD to be a secretary. <laughs> right. Yeah, it ain't easy. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Um, yeah, so yeah. you have to make it yourself, and that hasn't changed much. I don't think. I, I don't think. I don't think it has either. Really, I mean, and when you think about it, I mean, there's so there, you know, yeah, there there's few jobs, but there's a ton of people who want those few jobs. So that's just simple supply and demand. So you can either piss and moan about it, or you can kind of do what you did and just like <laughs> force force the hand. You know, I mean, take away the yeah. take away the the question from the people who are trying to hand the job like are you the right person make it obvious bring in a client do good work I, I think there's a hesitancy to do things for free or to even have to come out of pocket to get things started in a career but when you look at how careers are generally started what's the first thing everybody does they go to school right you come way out of pocket to go to school that's yeah, way more than way free. way out of pocket it's it's crazy expensive and so if you know if you have to pay a little bit to invest in yourself everybody worries about what they don't have what they don't have but in reality you you need to look at what you do have which is a future there's no better investment than in yourself so even if you have to help the band pay to get into the studio which I have done at times in my life you do it do it yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Kind of almost like a retirement account in a way where you put in a little bit now and it grows to a lot later, right? So, I mean, you put the investment in today, it's going to grow and grow yeah, and grow but it's, over time. It, but it, it's vastly better. And the reason is because when you put into a, a solid retirement account, you might do cumulative interest of like 10%. So, you know, you put $10,000 in, you're getting $1,000 a year. I make $1,000 in a day, you know? <laughs> like... You, the amount of return on investing in yourself is so disproportionate to the investment. It's crazy. If you looked at it on paper, it would be like it's the Dogecoin of of life, <laughs> except for Dogecoin is going to be over in like like 15 minutes. Whereas when you invest in yourself, that's your entire life. Yeah, that's cool, man. I like that. Well, all right. So let's dive in now uh, to let's get specific to mixing then. Um, no, I love it when, you know, we can have a conversation and help people starting out or even just people are sort of reevaluating where they're at. Like, I know that people are hitting you up constantly. I, I just, I'm imagining you're just one of those dudes on the internet who constantly has messages in his Facebook messenger and email because you're, you're active on Facebook and social and your YouTube channel. You're probably constantly getting people going, yo man, I want to be a mixer. Uh, can you get me a job? Or it's probably something like, what do I got to do? You probably get a lot of, can I get a job? emails i'm guessing which is probably not the Most way to go what, <laughs> no it's it's not it's not emails either emails i would i would consider an email but um no it's mostly it's people asking me to critique their mixes and that seems to come in like i'll have like 10 people do that all at once mm. and then and then crickets for a while and then suddenly it'll be like i had like one day maybe about a month ago where I swear to God, it had to be like 16 people hit me up or something crazy like that. It was really overwhelming. It made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and then people also hit me up for other stuff. Like people hit me up to connect them with artists and things like that. Um, I don't, I don't remember what the question was, but this is, yeah, it was, I don't know if I said. finished it. So <laughs> let me finish the uh, question. So, uh, all right. So talking about mixing, let's say I'm, heading, you know, I'm a senior in college or I'm finishing up a degree in college or or maybe no college. I'm just like, you know what? I've been kind of screwing around uh, with this mixing thing on the side. I love music. I know how to record. I know how to mix. I want to make this full time. So what would that mean in your in your view as somebody who mixes full time? 
Like, let's break that down into numbers. Like, what does somebody actually need to have a career in a business as a mixer? Can you talk about, like, how many songs or how many clients do you think that actually takes, like, in a year, let's say? Let's start there and, like, kind of break it down. So people, like, have an idea of, like, this isn't just, like, fun hobby. It's cool. And if you want to keep it fun and hobby, that's cool. But if we're talking about a business, a career, this is kind of what, the way you got to look at it through this lens, right? Yeah, I would say at any given time, you want to maintain like 10 active clients, about 100 clients in your Rolodex, and maybe about 1,000 clients that have come in and out of the picture. Um, so orders of magnitude is generally a good rule of thumb. I had somebody hit me up, because the numbers are not quite as important as what's what you're doing with those numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, I had somebody hit me up yesterday who was saying that he's been trying this mixing thing for four years, and he doesn't think it's for him. He, he wants to quit, but he's not sure if he should quit. So I asked, I asked him where he was at, and he was like, well, I was in school for a couple of years, and now I've been trying to get my mixes to work for a couple of years, and, and I just can't improve, and I, I don't know where I'm going. I was like, so basically what you're saying is you want to quit before you started. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so my advice to him was, look, before you do anything and make any decisions, mix a hundred songs, just go mix a hundred songs back to back, just every day, work on one. If it takes you two, three days, whatever it is, but mix a hundred songs and then get back to me and tell me how you feel about mixing records after you've done that. Because not only will you figure out pretty quickly if it's something that you want to do for the rest of your life, you'll know that by song 25, but you're also going to start developing the skills simply for the fact that you are mixing lots of records. So it's, it's the same idea. It's, you know, if you want to have a career in mixing, you need to just be mixing. That's, that's the number one thing. Yeah, but in that number, I mean, 100 songs a year for Mixer, that might be on the low side. I mean, that's just two a week. That might not pay the bills for everybody, you know, so like... Well, that was asking him to do a hundred songs to figure out if he wants to be a mixer. Right, In reality, when I when I was starting out, whether I was getting paid or not, I was mixing every day. Like eight to ten hours a day was probably about my average, and I didn't really take weekends. So I, I was putting in. I was getting my ten thousand hours. A um, hundred songs. Well, it depends on what you're charging because I'm probably at this point doing about a hundred songs a year mm. myself. Um, but I'm also charging a pretty good amount. So, you know what I mean? So it, it really depends on how you're framing your career. There isn't one way to do it. Good point. Yeah. If you're looking at 100 songs a year, I think it'd be hard to really pay the bills for much fewer songs than that. And if you're a mixer, your work is a song. You got records, that sort of thing. But, you know, you've got to get I mean, a song. But if I, charge five, if I charge you $5,000 for a mix, then I don't think it's too hard to pay your bills with less than 100 songs. <laughs> okay. Okay, Mr. LG, but <laughs> not everybody can I'm do just, 5K for a mix, right? You maybe got, you maybe get not, there. but it depends. Yeah. It depends. It, that's what I'm saying, though, is that because, you know, I, I had somebody else hit me up this morning who's saying, like, man, I'm doing 12-hour days every day and taking, taking two days off, Monday and Tuesday, and it's just burning me out. Should I cut back on my hours? And I was like, well, what are you charging? And, and how has that changed over the years? And he said, it hasn't changed over the years. I've been charging 30 an hour. And I was like, well, so this is the problem. Yeah. You're doing 30 an hour, and that's fine if you're in your first few years. Like, But now, okay, you're walking into year four. It's time to up the rate. 
because you're not supposed to be working for 12 hours a day. Yeah. Like you, your life is this, your time is your life. Yeah. So. Yeah. You got to increase the rate or you got to figure out how to do the same job and for your amount of hours. Really? I mean, ideally both, right? (laughs) Ideally both. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about clients then. Like, again, you know, kind of the same kind of frame. Like if, if you're trying to get enough work so you don't have to wait tables or sell insurance, clients, I mean, you've got the repeat variety, you've got the one and done variety, um, and those everybody's got one and done. So it has nothing, it doesn't always have to do with they didn't enjoy the work. It's just some people, that's all they got, you know, or whatever it is, they, they bounce around. So, you know, each year you've got X amount of turnover and new clients. So I think it kind of speaks to your Rolodex, but like, what, what, do, what, would you, what would you say about that? Like, I mean, how, how can you develop that client base and what are the kind of numbers? We already mentioned kind of the numbers, I suppose. So about 100 active or, or 10 active, I think you said. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a little tricky because as you're starting out, you don't really know what to look for. But typically, wherever you're getting your clients from, whether it's word of mouth or whether it's like online or something like that, you, you get a sensibility as to what that client is and what they're coming in with. And if you, you kind of can spot the one and dones, not always, sometimes they, they surprise you and they end up being repeat clients, but the, the ones that feel like they're going to be repeat clients, it's more important to take your time to cultivate them than to be constantly searching for new work. And I think that's where people get it confused because people are always like, ah, I got to step up my online game. I got to step up my online game. Well, yeah, you probably do because there's nothing wrong with the one and done online game. But actually, honestly, a lot of online work is not very good and it doesn't last. So it's flash in the pan. And sometimes if you need to like fill in a gap or something like that, you you might take a, a gig, but it's rarely worth it. What's more important is taking the the time when you're when you don't have bookings to go through that hundred client rotation that you sort of are a little bit more consistent and cultivate that. Make sure that they're good. Check up on them, you know, see what they've got in the works. Don't ask for work from them. That's a good way to alienate a client. But you know, just make sure that that you still exist in their mind. Yeah, really. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I like to, you know, even the happy birthday wishes, that sort of thing, you know? It's something small, but even it's happy just... happy birthday wish. It's called common courtesy. Yeah. It's a nice, friendly thing to do. Yeah, because yeah, you, you really don't need that many active clients in any given moment. I can get my bills paid with, like, two or three active clients, and I can usually maintain a good run of, like, five to ten. Yeah. So it's, it's so much more valuable to just have people that really want to be doing music in your circle... Because those longevity things really like, I can I can get my career tra- trajectory down to like three people, basically. <laughs> if we take care clients. of them. yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it, that stretches over a fourteen year period. Yeah, yeah, and it's also it's, it takes so much more time, effort, money, to like get a new client versus keep the ones you've got. I mean, absolutely. So, so I like the way you said just. Put, put the effort into the ones you've got, but understand like it takes a lot to get them in the first place, which is probably why you should keep them there. Right. And put in, you know, that keep that right. maintenance up. Absolutely. So I'm curious then, um, you know, and this is probably specific to you, but maybe you, you can touch on it. You know, you're a music mixer. The work that you're doing, it's probably mostly meant for a commercial release 
of some sort as like a musical product. And what I mean by that is, are you getting contacted by people like in the film world or the video game world to mix music for their products? Video games, not so often. And film work, I mean, I guess kind of indirectly because I do have a couple of clients who are are uh, A&Rs and music libraries. Mm. And so that's generally intended for TV and film. Although, I mean, some of my stuff could have ended up in a video game and I probably wouldn't even have known. So, right. Who really knows? But it is different worlds, too, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah, and sometimes it's different people who would be contacting you, right? Sometimes it's not an artist or a oh. producer that you've worked with. Maybe it's, you know, some publisher of a video game who knows your work or, or film, you know, like you mentioned, somebody in licensing. So I guess, yeah. I guess my point is um, any advice on extending the circle of your network outside of music, but still keeping within the world of your expertise, which is music mixing. Yeah, just understand that it's, it is a different realm and it's a different relationship. When you're doing commercially released stuff, it's with artists and it's very personal. You know, it's, you, you have a lot of rapport with them, even on the one and dones. You get some kind of back and forth going. And so it's, it's more personal to them. The intention of it is a, is a greater risk, so there's a lot more pressure and a lot of that. With the film library stuff, it's, it's a very different ballgame. You end up having to do a lot of work in short amount of time. And it, it, so you have to frame things in a very different sense. You know, you, you want to have your formulas down, you want to have your templates down and you want to negotiate from the point of view that this is somebody who's going to be giving you a very high volume of work. It doesn't have to be the absolute artistic perfection with a vision and everything like that. It just has to sound good. And that can be a more formulaic approach. And that's what they're actually looking for. Yeah. Still hit the mood, all those sorts of things, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, we don't do it like robots, but <laughs> it's not, you know what I mean? Like I'll, there's records for commercial release where I'll spend like an hour trying to make the snare drum perfect. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to do that for a TV library track. Like and, the snare drum is going to be the snare drum. And you're probably not going to get a note back that says, hey man, sounds like the snare drum isn't doing it for me. Yeah, because it's not it's not going to be that already would have been covered anyway from yeah. the band. Well, that exactly that you're talking about like sync versus like a, a cue of some sort where it's you know like you know so and so's song is being used in the film versus hey yes. there, there's a composer or we've got a producer here tidy up these tracks. It's going to be background stuff. It's radio stuff. It's cue stuff. It's it's a little bit different. I yeah, think, like, exactly. Yeah. Although I have been noticing that the the guys on the publishing end have been sending me like songs to approach more like pop songs, and I actually had to turn one of them down because the the budget was the same budget, and I was like, if you want me to really do this like a real mix, I need my full day. Yeah, I'm not. This is not a half day record, mm. and so I ended up actually losing the client. I think because mm. I haven't heard from him in like a year. Yeah, but I mean, it's good to know that that sort of thing is out there. You know what I mean? Because again, like pay the bills and just getting those clients, especially for people starting out. It's like, it's just good to know where you can get the work from and who you got to call and who you got to meet, that yeah. sort of thing, you know? So that's interesting. Yeah, it is kind of a different uh, approach. Like you said, that's good. And the template, that's yeah. huge for those things because they, they are quick turnarounds too, from what I've seen. Well, you also, I guess the the point of that, you know, when it comes to cultivating clients is if you know what you're 
client is going to be looking for, you know how to pitch yourself. If I'm going into a room full of music supervisors and music editors, or if I'm going into a room of, of people who work on the publishing side and run music libraries, I'm not going to tell them how good I am. I'm going to tell them how fast I am. Yeah. If I'm working, in, <laughs> if I'm walking into a room with artists, I'm going to tell them how good I am. That's you knowing what your client wants and needs. Yes. Versus like placating your, you know, pushing your own ego. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Even little things as being just like, yeah, I just, I include a five stem on every printout. Whether they you need know it what or I mean? not. Like yeah. That, yeah. Whether they, well, because they're going to need it <laughs> and they know they're going to need it. But the, what's more important is I'm telling them that I know that they're going to need it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm telling them, I know I can do the job fast and I know I can do the job right. That's good. Yeah. That confidence works too. Yeah. Makes it easier for their world. All right. Well, the job isn't all mixing, as few businesses are all fun, right? <laughs> so it's it really isn't. This is <laughs> this is why I'm saying, like with the hundred songs a year, you you got to understand this is not all mixing. Running a business is a lot of things. So fin finish the question, well, but I know where it's going. Well, yeah. So <laughs> of the things are, I mean, you, you well, you fill in the blank, man. I mean, uh, you know, there's anything from invoicing to going online and cultivating more people or what, whatever the thing is that works to, to ring the bell. I mean, what is it for you that, that you'd spend your days doing that's not mixing that needs to get done? It's everything. So one of the things that I've been terrible about that I started fixing up this year is just keeping track of my expenses and my, my income versus the expenses incurred. So every month I'm taking like a full day. It's like a full day Receipts. to go through uh. all of the things. Yeah. <laughs> To yeah. go through all that and to get a spreadsheet going and everything. And I hate doing it. Yeah. I hate doing it. But it's something that I have to do. And then when it comes to getting the right gigs, it's like there's a lot of of meeting people. This year has been very different because there hasn't been so much meeting people. This year was a little tough on that front. Uh, but, you know, going out and, and trying to crack those eggs is, is especially in the L.A. scene. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's, it's a lot of so like lunches, much... coffees, drinks, then and receipts that fill up the wallet. Yes. So if you're like me, yes. at the end of the month, like the wallet gets a little thicker, and you're like, ugh, and it's like that alarm I mean, clock. It... And, okay, you got to do this, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I keep it on a credit card, which makes it a little easier. But <laughs> it's yes, it's exactly that. So it's it's all of those things. It's it's taking flights and. So, I mean, when I'm mixing, typically the mixing is maybe about half of the work. And the other half is pursuing the clients, making sure that they're attended to, following up after. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a very important thing. Like, uh, you know, cultivating those relationships and clients is part of it is you you make sure that the job is done for them because they they live in a world of insecurity. So after I'm done with the record, maybe a week later, I'll just follow up and be like, hey, I just wanted to check up, make sure that everything was good. You got everything that you wanted, that everything's copacetic. 99% of the time, they're just, they're going to say yes, because they would have hit me up if they needed something. But it's just a reminder to let them know, like, if you do need something, I am here for you. You know what I mean? So all of that takes a lot of time. Plus, I got I to gotta train the people who are helping me you know what I mean? I've got to, I got to work with my manager to make sure that things are coming across right, everything like that. When I've had assistants, I don't have an assistant right now, but, you know, training the assistant, that takes time. It ends up taking almost as much time as what they're supposed to be accounting for. Yeah. You know? Well, hopefully they stick around so it starts to pay off, right? That's the, yeah. the idea. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I like what you said there about just like, again, checking up with the clients. It, it's important for them to understand you're invested beyond just like the, the nine to five or whatever, you know, quote unquote, nine to five. Right. Yeah. I was, I was thinking actually of making my slogan for my engineering Weiss. I actually give a shit, but <laughs> I, some people might hear that the wrong way. You know, there's a, there's a dude that I love to follow on LinkedIn and his, his whole slogan is, uh, he's a composer. And his whole thing is music for whatever the hell you want. It's like, there you go. (laughs) There you go. So I I think there's precedent. I think you can go there. (laughs) I think you can catch on. All right. (laughs) Weiss actually gives a shit. (laughs) Think of the the logos you could use. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. Yeah. All right, man. Well, yeah, let's talk about again, like going back to all of the things. And I know for you, a big part of your thing for many years has been your presence on YouTube, creating tutorials and just basically just helping and giving a ton of value to anybody who's got a YouTube account, really. So, um, I mean, first of all, I mean, in all honesty, just like congratulations, because I don't even know how long it's been, but I'm guessing it's probably close to 10 years you've been making these videos. And they're astounding. Yes, it has. It's got, I hope you've got a huge sense of pride when you look back and think like when that started and like where it is now, because I mean, you really are probably one of the most recognizable faces in audio education. I mean, that's I think that's fair to say. Sweet. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. It's a little bittersweet because I had all of my content taken down. So I'm starting again from scratch. But I'm starting with 10 years of experience with the name recognition and having a cleaner vision for what I want for myself. Mm. So I'm very, very happy to be starting fresh, but also a little sad because, you know, I did have quite a bit of a legacy online that is now gone. Yeah, possibly. But I think that it's not going to take very long for all those numbers and all the people to find you. And, you know, I mean, it's still you and it's all that same content. So, yeah, I understand what you mean, though. So I I wonder, um, literally, for my own curiosity, but other people's, you know, I started my channel about a year ago. um, And really, the purpose for me was, you know, probably partially for myself, too. It's a it's, you know, I like to I like the hang of interns and everything I always did. I don't really have any anymore. Um, But I love like just giving back and talking shop with new people or or anybody, really, because I grew up with some fantastic people who are really generous and gave me a career and taught me a lot of things. So I like the interaction there and helping people along. But also, like, I do think it's important uh, and this can sound a little vain, but I think it's important to sort of have a face and create a sense of thought leadership in the industry. I think it's important for every individual to have that sort of thing to point people, whether it's a client or somebody else, a colleague to go, you know. Not that YouTube validates anybody at all, but I think over time, I think it can a little bit more than just like a video here and there. So for me, I think it's important for my career to sort of have this content and show that I'm helping and I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. But two, I think it's good to give back. So from someone who's been doing it for as long as you have, what would you suggest? Is there, is there, well, clear there's value, but would you suggest for people to like consider that strongly for each one of, you know, for, for their own careers, like get an online presence, a social presence and make a channel or a podcast or some sort of platform. Well, I would ask this. Do you know any successful business that doesn't have an online presence? No. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, so yes. And so when, when you put something up, you know, 
there's certain basic rules that you want to make sure you're applying. First of all, you want to be giving value to people, right? Because people don't want to waste their time. That's not necessary. Two, you want to be representing who you are, which, you know, from a marketing point of view, you would call that branding. From a being a human being, you would just call that being yourself, you know? <laughs> but you lean into it. it. Well, yeah, but and you lean into it. Like, like my buddy Leo is going to be coming on to Weiss Advice. He's a fantastic engineer. He's got a really out there sense of humor. So his videos are out there. Like they're weird, you know, he's smoking weed in the videos and, and being strange <laughs> and having bizarre jokes. And sometimes the jokes, you might not even realize it's a joke, but that's his personality. And he asked me if that was going to fly. And I was like, yes, lean into it. You know, I'm, I'm more of a, a studious kind of a person. So I lean into that. And it's not like I don't have a sense of humor. I certainly make jokes and things like that, but I, I project myself maybe a little bit more teachery than some people might, but that's kind of who I am. So authenticity works. Yeah. I mean, yeah. really, there's everybody, there's an audience for everyone is if you're authentic, you'll find your audience. It's the people who aren't authentic and fake it have a hard time really getting people to latch on. I think I, I would imagine, I mean, there's some people that strike me as being extremely fake who do seem to have an audience, but I think that they're the exception and mm. not so much the rule. But, you know, the other thing, too, is is you, you want the people to understand who you are because, you know, if, if I'm going to hire somebody for a gig, am I going to hire Matt Weiss or am I going to hire Adam Claremont? I'm going to go on and I'm going to say, well, okay, this is what this guy kind of looks like he's doing. This is what this guy kind of looks like he's doing. I kind of feel like this guy might blend more with what I'm going for. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the same. Exactly. YouTube and real world. It's kind of the same thing in that regard, right? I mean... Yeah. A lot of the times it's the relationship or the personality connection that we make that kind of is the the final push in the right direction for, for whoever's making that decision, right? Yes. That's cool. So, so Weiss advice, you know, we'll wrap this up, man. Um, what's the plan? <laughs> Maybe give, give us a little sneak peek because this is kind of new. I mean, if, at the time of this taping, we're about May. This is new for this year. So... I have a grand vision. It, it's not the first time I've had a grand vision because when I started doing this stuff on YouTube, there wasn't really anybody else doing it on YouTube. It was it was seen as a thing where, you know, it could bite you. And now it's the thing. Now it's commonly mm -hmm. accepted. So I'm, I'm going to try and do it again here. But basically what I've always wanted to do is create the college education that I never had. Because everybody goes to these schools and comes out and like some people have great experiences. I'm not knocking the schools and all that, but a lot of people really don't. They don't get the education that they need and they certainly are not getting the education that they want. So I'm thinking, okay, in 2020, 2021, the 2020s, is it possible to have an online forum that functions the way that a school does? And I think it is because we have these programs like Clubhouse, like Discord, like Telegram or Telegraph or whatever the heck it is. Uh, and those kind of act like a college campus. They're a community center where people can interact with each other, right? So we've got that. Then we've got our archived resources, our, our things that we put up as tutorials. You know, you can go read a textbook in school. You can go watch a video tutorial online, very similar. Then we have our lectures and seminars where I can do a live webinar. 
I can do a live webinar. You couldn't do that 10 years ago. Right. Not the same way. I can broadcast my Pro Tools feed to 100 people at the same time and have somebody in the chat room moderating what they're getting from that and giving me feedback in real time. And I can set up an infrastructure for one-on-one coaching. So that's like, that's like doing a dissertation project, right? Where you get a mentorship specifically with an instructor. All of these things are now accessible. So can it be done? Yes. And I, I think it's, been, it's being done in other industries. It isn't being done in ours. I want to be the first one to do it. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you're excited. I'm excited hearing about that. I, I mean, I geek out about this stuff all the time. The fact that we can do all the shit you just mentioned blows my mind. It's really freaking cool. <laughs> we should really be taking advantage yeah. like you are. That's cool, man. I agree. Well, the the way that I, I started really seeing it is that people in our industry are not doing it, but people in younger industries, um, uh, cryptocurrency market traders are doing it. You know, they're, they're 25 years old. They're the ones who are figuring out how to, to work the discords and create the community environments and interface it all with a website and a YouTube channel and all these things and make it feel like a cohesive thing. So I, I'm looking to what they're doing and saying, you know, <laughs> why not? Why not do it for music production? I'm just picturing the people who are, you know, late 30s, 10 years ago going, there's this dude on YouTube and he's doing it and not, we're not doing it. <laughs> talking about you. You know, and now, yeah. and now you're the guy looking at these other people going. <laughs> oh, look at these youngsters. And I think, gosh, golly, they sure are onto something. Mm-hmm. I might have to get I might have to get involved. That's cool, man. Well, I'll be checking all that out. I'm excited. Um, but yeah, I mean, not to fanboy too much, but just I really appreciate all the, the videos you've done over the years. I mean, you, you know, pioneers kind of a hefty word, but I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people doing the things that they're doing today because they saw some of your videos. So congratulations, big time. I mean that genuinely. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. It's a, it's a daunting experience okay. going off on my own and, and doing this and ooh, it's a lot of time and money too, but well, investing in myself. I was going to say, I have a feeling the reason you're doing it is because you understand the value and you've done it once. So stands to reason. You'll figure it out, man. All right. Thank you. Um, yeah. So uh, links for all that stuff we just mentioned, Weiss advice, we'll put that in the description below. Make sure you're following Matt for all of the updates and everything that's to come in that new new arena. But I think that's all we got for you today. Uh, thanks again, Matthew Weiss, for hanging with us. If you'd like, don't forget, check out adamclaremont.com slash client list and pick up that guide something to help you get along, get some new ideas on how to gain some new clients and build the business and audio that, that we all love and want to work in. So until next time, I'm Adam Claremont. Thanks again for watching. See you then. Bye.